if we could always just somehow magically produce a good price for farmers that want to milk cows, uh, that would make uh, the world a lot better place. A whole new era of communication in the dairy industry is coming. Now you have the brightest minds of the global dairy industry right in your pocket. And what's best? You can listen to all of them while driving to a farm, traveling, or running errands. It's never been this good, and it's never been this simple. We want to thank the innovative companies and products whose support and trust make this podcast possible. Adiseo USA, producers of SmartMIMM and MilkPay.com. Bergen Schmidt, your partner for improving animal performance. Diamond V, because animal health deserves a healthier approach. AB Vista, feed intelligence and targeted ingredients to optimize rumen function. Fibro Animal Health Corporation, healthy animals, healthy food, healthy world. Welcome to the Dairy Podcast Show, a weekly podcast where you'll find cutting-edge insights and everything that's working in the global dairy industry. When it comes to raising healthy animals, you need more than the right solutions. You need the right partner who brings decades of industry expertise and a global team to put that knowledge to work for the advancement of your operation. At Fibro Animal Health Corporation, we are proud to work with you as your trusted partner. Welcome back to the Dairy Podcast Show. My name is Barry Bradford from Michigan State University. Today, it's a pleasure to welcome Tom Peterson to the show. Mr. Peterson is the Minnesota Department of Agriculture Commissioner. Tom has spent most of his life working for his family and his own horse and farm businesses. And the Petersons have shown horses around the state and have competed at the Minnesota State Fair for over 25 years. Before he was appointed commissioner, Peterson served as the Director of Government Relations for the Minnesota Farmers Union beginning in 2002, where he was working in both Washington, D.C. and in St. Paul on behalf of the MFU. He was initially appointed the Department of Ag Commissioner in 2019 and was reappointed in 2023. So, Commissioner Peterson, thank you so much for uh, taking time out of your schedule to join us today. Great. I appreciate the opportunity to join you. So, did you grow up on a family farm? Is, is that what I understand? Yeah, I grew up working on uh, family farms, and, uh, and then we I bought uh, family, uh, decided to get out on our own uh, when I was a young man, and, and we bought a, a pretty good size operation and got into it uh, full time with my mom and as my partner. And, uh, you know, I really were in the horse business, uh, still are. And uh, my mom has been my and dad have been my partner, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of the years. And then along the way, we pick up cows and uh, both cows and dairy goats. So I always had friends and that a lot of friends and relatives that milk cows. Uh, my grandpa milked, uh, uh, was a, a dairy farmer. Uh, some of my close relatives and best friends are. So pretty familiar with the industry and uh, always been interesting. Curious, what breed of horses? Well, we have quite a few uh, different. Uh, we raised uh, Appaloosas most of our life. And then we, about 30 some years ago, we got into miniature horses oh. and ponies. And so we have a pony farm and uh just finished uh, my 30th year showing uh, the, those at our state fair here this last weekend. And so really fun to be hanging around with all the livestock and uh, competing and doing that too as well. So a lot of fun, but a hot, uh, hot week at the state fair. Yeah. yeah kidding. So I saw on the uh, department website, the mission statement, which I thought uh, was really well done. And so it says that the, the mission of the Department of Agriculture is to enhance all Minnesotans quality of life 
by equitably ensuring the integrity of our food supply, the health of our environment, and the strength and resilience of our agricultural economy. I think super well done, and it speaks to interfacing with the industry and also with the rest of the state, right, with consumers. So I'm curious, and maybe there's no good answer, but I'm curious what a typical day looks like for you. Are you mostly interfacing with the ag community or speaking on behalf of ag to other audiences? Yeah, you know, it's funny. Mission statements are, you know, we, we, it's funny all the work that goes into those. So I appreciate that. And, you know, it's really interesting, but it does really guide our work. You know, we just want to, you know, hopefully uh, have our farmers be successful and our businesses be successful and we want to feed a lot of people, you know, and so that's kind of what a normal day looks like, uh, you know, as uh, might we with farmers, uh, you know, today I'm in the office and it's pretty much scheduled from, uh, you know, uh, nine to five with meetings. Then I'm going to head out to uh, Southern Minnesota tonight for a, a Farm Bureau County meeting, annual meeting to visit with those folks. I think it's really important to get out. Uh, but during the day, we meet with a lot of the, like, whether it's uh, industry executives, uh, companies, uh, a lot of Minnesotans that have issues. We'll do a lot of internal meetings uh, talking about one thing, and dairy is really a big issue right now is PFAS. Uh, and how that's going to impact uh, dairy. Uh, tomorrow, I'm actually hitting the road and uh, traveling up to northwest Minnesota. Minnesota is a big state, seven hours top to bottom. I'm actually going to be stopping to visit three different dairy farms tomorrow that are kind of struggling through different issues and uh, uh, pieces on my way. And so that's really important. I'm a type of person who likes to see things firsthand. Great. I'm sure that helps you do a better job of, of steering the ship. How many how many employees are sort of under the auspices of the department there? Yeah, so we have about 500 employees. Uh, many of those might be seasonal. They might do uh, potato inspections, uh, emerald ash borer inspections, uh, different uh, hemp inspections. So we have a lot of inspection staff. Uh, we have a lot of uh, promotion, marketing and promotion staff. Uh, the governor is uh, in the department. We're doing a trade mission to Japan next week and Australia uh, in, uh, in November and, uh, the Mideast in, uh, in January. So a lot of planning goes into that. Uh, we do a lot of grant programs, uh, for the department, for example, for dairy, uh, really trying to help, uh, promote those, but then also a lot of work on water, as we mentioned, Minnesota's land of 10,000 lakes and a lot of uh, work that needs to be done there. Yeah. Sounds like a busy job. So specifically, you've already started into this a little bit, but I'm curious, you know, thinking specifically about the dairy industry, are, are there a handful of key issues that always come up that you see as the main things that the industry in your state is facing? Yeah, for me, as uh, somebody who I always try to be uh, close to the farmers, as price is always number one. You know, I would just like if we could always just somehow magically produce a good price for farmers that want to milk cows, uh, that would make uh, the world a lot better place. And, uh, you know, the, and milk marketing is uh, very challenging and prices, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, Minnesota, we have a, just under 2,000 dairy farms. We've lost a lot in the last few years, a lot of consolidation in the industry. And those that are really committed to it right now are the ones that, you know, we really want to focus on trying to make their life uh, easier, you know, and so whether that's uh, helping them install robotics or, uh, you know, uh, changing up their system, you know, somewhat is really important, but then also working with our, our processing plants in Minnesota and upgrading those, uh, that, uh, you know, can be aging infrastructure sometimes, uh, really bringing it into the 
21st century, uh, something that uh, is very important for uh, Minnesota. So we'll see, but, uh, you know, I really enjoy working with the dairy industry. It's uh, excellent folks. A lot of excellent producers there for sure. From an outside perspective, you mentioned PFAS. I want to touch on that real quick. So for some people listening, maybe aren't familiar with that term, but a lot of people are calling these forever chemicals because they take so long to degrade. And, um, there was a dairy uh, in the Southwest U.S. that had to be completely shut down because it was near an Air Force installation where these chemicals were used as a, a fire retardant um, and accumulated in the soil over years. Are there are there particular industries, I guess, that dairies are near that this is uh, coming to the top uh, in terms of concerns? Yeah, and so Minnesota and our legislature is something that we're going to look at to see where we think that it is, you know, in the next couple of years or where it's coming from and really try to establish some of that before we, you know, go and do that extreme where we have to close down farms. And, uh, you know, you hit set it right on the forever chemicals. It's a concern. Some of it may be in uh, wastewater uh, treatment is uh, one of the thing places we've been looking and trying to see, but also try to come up with uh, remediation. Uh, it's kind of in its early stages and everything, but there are ways to potentially mitigate uh, PFAS as we see. And, you know, and so dairy is always, you know, it's an important or interesting thing, but we want to make sure we have the right data. And so um, our legislature is taking, I think, a thoughtful approach and that we're going to study it, you know, for a couple of years and really get our hand on it before we start phasing out things. And uh, we also need to just be aware of where it might be. But I, I look at that wastewater, you know, uh, in my area, it comes out as biosolids. A lot of times it's free. It's an incredible soil amendment, but it may hold uh, uh, PFAS in it. But I think then we have to look at what is there a safe level for that, um, you know, to be in it. Is it parts per million, billion or trillion? Uh, and what are the effects on that? So it's a very serious issue and something that, Minnesota has, you know, taken a big, big step into looking at that in the coming years. Yeah, the biosolids piece is frustrating because that's been a service basically farms have provided to society, right? We'll take these nutrients that you don't have a good place to take them and uh, it helps the farms hopefully, but this is a case where maybe uh, down the road it's a, it's a headache for those farms. But we'll hope we find some good remediation uh, tools. Another thing I was curious, uh, from your perspective, are there programs in Minnesota or other states that uh, dairy farmers can benefit from but are often unaware of? Yeah, that's a good point. You know, the big thing for us right there, you know, there's no doubt in Minnesota this summer and across the nation, dairy prices have been tough. And the big thing we're proud of in Minnesota is the DMC program that's part of the dairy margin coverage program. It's part of the farm bill. Minnesota has the highest enrollment in that program. And so we always want people to be aware of that. The farm bill expires here at the end of September. And as we're looking at re-enrolling that, we think it's been a good safety net for farmers. It's not a catch-all, but it's been helpful. What Minnesota did at our state legislature to show the value of our dairy farmers was to pay the premium for the farmers. And so dairy farmers in Minnesota also got a state payment if you enrolled in DMC. Our legislature reauthorized that. So when the next farm bill comes, uh, that's a really important piece. We also at our department have uh, dairy business planning grants that help 
Uh, if you want to make a change to your dairy, maybe you want to put in robots, maybe you want to uh, expand, uh, do different things. You can get a planning grant to uh, do some of the work to lay the groundwork for that. And then we also have programs such as uh, uh, livestock investment grant in Minnesota, where we'll pay 10% of a project or modernization. A lot of times you want to upgrade, you know, we've still got people in tie stall barns that want to upgrade to a parlor or something like that and save those knees and everything else. And so we have that and, and a priority is for dairy. Yeah, in that too as well. And so we've also done some unique things in Minnesota where we may be um, really trying to get, just sell more milk, you know, and so, uh, and that starts with kids. And so instead of doing cartons, we did, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, grants for um, uh, the old school uh, milk uh, dispensers in school. So you're not having to fumble with a carton or a or a uh, or a jug, you just uh, go to the thing and hold that uh, lever, and you get those uh, that cold milk. We did a lot of those grants, and we see a lot of interest from schools. And so, yeah, just always just encouraging farmers to talk to their local department, sign up for our our e newsletter, talk to your FSA office, make sure you know what's out there. We got a drought right now in Minnesota, and uh, you know, farmers, there's assistance there for them, and but you got to get in and talk to it. So. Always a good question. So communication, making sure people know all the different things that are available to them. We also not to harp on, you know, we also have a great loan programs at the department, not that farmers need another loan, but uh, those are always things too that uh, do help uh, farmers that are in tough situations. Okay. Yeah. How does, how does that fit, I guess, uh, amongst like the farm credit system and the private banks? Is this kind of a different target audience? No, it's uh, kind of piggybacks, you know, and you can stack some of those. So, you know, to buy a farm, you know, a lot of times, too, to getting into dairy is still a place where you can get in uh, if you can put something together on that smaller uh, angle. Right now, it's it's tough because you got to find somewhere to sell your milk. But, uh, you know, uh, you, you can uh, get into a barn and start milking cows if you can put a loan together, a loan package. So a lot of times you'll see folks stack alone with, uh, you know, the FSA, we call it our rural finance authority or RFA. And, uh, and then, uh, piggyback that with, uh, lending from farm credit, you know, and we guarantee part of the loan. We have a beginning farmer loan that guarantees, uh, 45% of the loan and that helps a lot. So, uh, uh, and our organizations in Minnesota, uh, work together, uh, those banking entities to stack those for, uh, for beginning farmers. And we're excited about that because in Minnesota, you know, trying to bring that next generation has been a top priority. We have a beginning farmer tax credit too. If you're buying from, uh, you're a beginning farmer and you're buying from an, uh, uh, somebody who is maybe not a relative or something, we also have a down payment assistance where you can get $15,000 to uh, buy a farm, which doesn't sound like a lot, but I can tell you somebody who's bought a couple of farms, that uh, to have that extra cash going into a purchase agreement really helps. So we're, we're, we're excited to see, you know, it's a hard thing to look at every month when we look at, you know, how many dairy farms quit, you know, and that's uh, nature. But I always tell our staff and I always look at if we look every month, there's some that are starting too. And I said, let's dig into those 
folks that are you know, maybe transferring or decided they want to come back a dairy. And there's a lot of reasons for that. So sometimes we got to just put together a package uh, for that and treat it just like any other business. When, you know, the widget factory wants to move to Minnesota, you know, or North Dakota or Wisconsin, we all jump for each other to try to bring that widget factory in. And, and we look at it when somebody wants to get into dairying or different types of agriculture, we want to jump all over them to bring them in. That's a great attitude. Do you know, um, I've, I've heard these numbers for ag, ag in general, but the dairy industry uh, in Minnesota or, or nationally, the average age of an operator, is it in that 60 range? You know, I, I'd say it's in the 60 range because, you know, Minnesota, the average age of a farmer is 57. And, uh, you know, and so, um, but when you look at dairy farms, uh, you need to look at that, that, that is concerning. And so that's why in Minnesota, we've, you know, put these beginning farmer loans together through our RFA. We've started the beginning farmer credit and the down payment assistance. We also have a program in Minnesota called our Emerging Farmers Office that we've uh, brought in and funded because a lot of our dairy farmers, Minnesota's population's changing rapidly, and we're seeing people, um, you know, uh, a lot of people that don't look like me, you know, mid-50s, white male, uh, looks like the average farmer. And that's not always the, the case in Minnesota. And so we see a lot of Latino Hmong uh, uh, farmers that serve a different community um, and uh, really getting into it. And and some of the Latino farmers, especially, it's really exciting to see opportunities that they have within dairy, um, knowledge that they bring second, third, fourth generation now that uh, are uh, managing large herds that are uh, starting herds of their own. And so we're trying to be as supportive of, of that as possible. And it's exciting to see the opportunities that we have. So, um, you know, and then just spending time at our state fair with all of our 4-H and FFA leaders and being at our dairy showcase and seeing our brightest uh, future stars, uh, people that are going back to those uh, legacy dairy farms uh, in the state. So a lot of a lot of good stuff happening, but, you know, and it's hard sometimes because you look at, you know, folks getting out of it and, uh, you know, so it's good to see the things that are positive. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I think it's it's easy to focus on the negative, right? Kind of the news cycle thing, but you're right. If you look, there's there's just as many good stories. Um, one other area I wanted to ask you about, um, you know, you're in a position now where people are always trying to bend your ear, but you spent uh, some time sort of advocating for farmers in uh, the state house and at the federal level. I'm just curious, what advice do you have for dairy producers or anybody in the industry who wants to engage with elected officials? Yeah, I always say be involved, you know, and I said that uh, I, I had a farmer just call me here a little bit ago, you know, and, and he felt bad about calling me and bothering me. And I said, don't ever feel that way. I said, uh, how am I going to know about your problems if you don't call me, you know, and your issues? And maybe I can try to do something better or make your life a little easier. And, and I, you know, not every person has that power. But in doing this for a long time in my career, I've seen the power of it. I think about my neighbor, and he has some connections into me. He's a dairy farmer. He milks 40 cows. You know, he's on the first-name basis with our senators, Senator Klobuchar, Senator Smith, our, uh, the governor. You know, because he's involved in uh, Farmers Union or Farm Bureau or milk producers, you know, he has that opportunity that they care what he thinks about. They remember what he says. But he chooses to milk his cows and go into a meeting at night or take his Saturdays to go down, you know, uh, 
uh, our weekend to go to the DC to visit with different people or come down to a lobby day at the Capitol and got to know people, but it makes a difference, you know? And so when, uh, you know, I'm with one of our senators and I say, Hey, what's your neighbor Al think about this? You know, and they, you know, and that's pretty cool. And it's as simple as that, that you do have the power. People do listen to folks, but if you, you know, I always like when I go talk to young uh, folks at like our colleges and the kids that are going back to the farm and, you know, I always say like, get, get involved, start your farm, but then get involved, you know, cause I said, you can get mad about things. And I'd say, I'd get mad when I was on the tractor and, you know, but it's cool when you're involved because you can pick up the phone and call me or you can call your legislator and you can make a difference. So I think that's what's uh, I always encourage people that I've seen, you know, that you might say the most average farmer can have the greatest impact, you know, so that's a great question. OK, good. So show up. That's the message. Yeah, absolutely. Don't be afraid not to. Yep. It's time for our famous three. We want to thank the innovative companies and products whose support and trust make this podcast possible. Our Yeast 40, ruminal and intestinal double modulation by ICC Animal Nutrition. Ivonic Animal Nutrition, we are sciencing the global food challenge. DSM, providing innovative feed additives that improve the efficiency and profitability of dairy production. Xzealot, a novel product for the management of hypocalcemia. It's uncomplicated excellence. Smaxtech. Get insights from inside your cows with Smax Tech for higher herd health and profitability. Typical fresh cow incidence of clinical hypocalcemia is 3 to 6%, while subclinical hypocalcemia affects 50% or more mature cows. Based on cutting-edge research, Exelete offers a new approach that is build-effective and the ZDUs. For more information, visit www.protecta.com. Okay, well, there's three questions we throw at every guest, and we're not going to let you sidestep these. So they're not really gotcha questions, but I think they're a little hard to answer off uh, shooting from the hip. But let's see what we can do here. So what is your favorite ag-related book or resource? Wow, that's a really interesting one. Uh, You know, um, uh, ag-related book, I like to look at history. And I think that uh, agriculture history repeats itself. And uh, I did uh, one of my stories about James J. Hill, who was a, a lumber baron and a railroad built, baron, built the U, U, uh, Union Pacific. Um, I think of uh, Willard Cochran or Orville Freeman in our building. So anything about James J. Hill, Empire Builder, is a good book. But it really talks about, because we look at dairy, for example, say, oh, we're just getting big and bigger and bigger or our wheat farms. Well, we did that in the 1890s. We had Bonanza farms and they went bust and we had these cycles. We did that in the 40s after World War II where we uh, where we had these cycles. Uh, Dick Levins, he was a professor at the University of Minnesota. He's a great book about Willard Cochran, who was a uh, uh, professor uh, uh, and who ended up, uh, you know, uh, advised uh, President Kennedy about uh, uh, farm policies, but everything's a cycle. And I, as I read like uh, ag policy, you know, you look at how these things uh, repeat themselves. So I always say like anything like that is I'm interested in and always cool to see. I, one other thing I do is I buy books uh, from farmers that I know. It's amazing how many farmers write books and, uh, you know, or write, you know, and I, I have a bookshelf full of them uh, even behind me and stuff. So always interesting. 
That's great. Good answers. I have a brother-in-law that uh, will spend hours looking at the plat book from there. He, it's fascinating and he knows the history. It, that's really cool. Uh, okay. What's your favorite book or resource outside of agriculture? Oh, well, outside of agriculture, you know, I, uh, I oddly enough, uh, book is, you know, hard to say. Um, I really like sports a lot. I'm a big sports uh, person. So um trying to think what I've been reading lately. Uh, you know, it's, it, anything sports related is kind of kind of fun for me. I, you know, kind of it's good to have a, a distraction away from, you know, that. And so sports do that for me. And so uh, anything like that is always interesting. That makes sense. Okay, and then the last question, in your opinion, what sets successful professionals apart from those who are less successful? Oh, uh, that's an easy one for me is uh, is team building and having a great team and using your whole team. You know, is that uh, here at our Department of Agriculture, like we talked about, I have 500 employees and I, I want to use every one of them as much as they want to uh, be involved in, and then some, you know, and so I look at whether it's our deputy commissioner, assistant commissioners, my assistant, you know, as we try to include everybody, you know, there's certain things that a commissioner has to do, but the more you can do as a team and then use your team, uh, it makes you stronger. And, uh, you know, it can take a small team and, and make it a big team, you know? And so that's, I'm a real team uh, player. So I think that's, uh, makes you, you know, I'm glad to stand on the, on their, on their success. You know? And so that's, uh, they make me look good, you know? And so, but you got to give them an opportunity to make you look good. And so that's a definitely a big piece that I like to do. Great. I think that's good advice for most dairy farmers as well. That's a good, good point. Well, commissioner Peterson, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Um, any parting words of wisdom for the show? No, I appreciate the opportunity and, you know, and it's, it's uh, you know, dairy is always an interesting thing. You know, it looks great uh, one month and then it's uh, challenges. And, you know, we just appreciate uh, everybody that's in the industry. Minnesota is a great place to dairy uh, with the water and the feed uh, that we have available. And so we look forward to the, the next few years and uh, see what happens. I appreciate the opportunity to visit with you a little bit today. Well, thank you. Well, this has been another episode of the Dairy Podcast Show. If you haven't subscribed yet, hit the button before you leave, and we'll see you next time.